It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for. It's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting episode of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Cameron Jedlowski. And I am your other co-host, Laura Warren Hughes. We're really glad to be here tonight. It's uh, It's been a while, and uh, frankly, I've missed doing this and have, have missed this. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's you know, we want to start out really briefly here with a quick state of the podcast um, update here. Uh, I, I think I speak for both Laura and I when we say we love doing Goat Gab. We love the interaction it brings. We love the joy it brings to us and how it helps, for lack of better terms, fill our cups. Um, and, and we've missed you as an audience in doing this, um, but we're not going to sugarcoat it here. It's been pretty crazy the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been it's been really busy and, and, and I know it's that way for everybody. So I don't want it to seem like that we think we're more important or busier than anybody else. It's not that sometimes you just have to look at your plate and say, um, this isn't going to fit this week. I just can't get it done. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it comes down to. And, and, you know, we, we love doing Goat Gab, but our number one priorities and Laura and I have, have talked about this year. And I think we've made it pretty obvious is that our families are number one. And our goats are, are right up there with them because they're an extension of our families. Um, so when, when push comes to shove, if, if we need to, you know, clip some goats or we need to record goat gab, we're going to choose to um, uh, clip some goats. Right. But that doesn't mean that you're not important to us. And and I hope that I hope that it's very evident that the quality that our commitment to a quality product for you guys, whether that means a topic that's relevant to the dairy goat industry or to some of our listeners, I know not every topic is going to be what everybody is interested in, but you know, we sure do try to make sure that what we're doing is quality and, and that our editing editing is quality and that, um, you know, you're not cringing the whole time you're listening to us talk. So, um, you know, we do seek your feedback. And as always, if you have things that you want us to talk about or, or feedback that you want to give us, we, we love that. And, and we really appreciate it, but you know, we just, we just want you to know that uh, just because maybe there are times that we don't get to our, our podcast recording that week, that doesn't mean that you're not still important to us. Just hang on and we'll get to you. Yeah, okay? absolutely. There. And one last thing is not, you know, I think when Laura and I first started this podcast here, we thought it would be a lot easier than, than what it is. And, you know, co- topics would just come to us or guests would just manifest themselves and it would work hunky dory for schedules and, and everything would just be perfect. Um, uh, as we found out, um, very quickly there, um, it, uh, it is not sometimes. So, so, um, I just, I want to reiterate that it's not easy what we do sometimes. And it's not as simple as just Laura and I free talking here, which, which we do a lot, I will say. And we love it and we love doing it. And so it's not like it's a chore to get it done. 
it does take time to do a quality product. So we really appreciate your patience with us. We appreciate you hanging in there. And, you know, again, please give us feedback on something that you'd like to see or something that you'd like to hear. Or, you know, if you're one of our listeners and you feel like that you would be an amazing guest, let us know why you think that. And we can, you know, talk about it because we may have people out there who have something to say that we don't even know about. So yeah, absolutely. You know, just reach, reach out and touch someone. Let us know. Yeah, absolutely there. Moving right along here, though, and jumping into ad good news here. Uh, we do have a new slate of directors here that were recently announced, and congratulations to all of those new directors. We're excited to see um, what work will be done in such a such a um, unprecedented time, shall I say? Yes, and also thank you to those who ran and maybe weren't the successful um, elect- elected officials this time, but hey, please run again because – you know, sometimes it takes a couple of times and, and we always need people. And if you didn't happen to get selected as a director, I really would encourage you to look at volunteering in other ways, like volunteer to be on a committee or, um, you know, reach out and help with things in ADGA, however you think you can. Committee work is a great way to get your feet wet. Or also even look, work to look at an even more local level as well. I feel like that's at, at a grassroots level. Um, that is really where we can see more change. So maybe it's in a local goat club, a show, um, or, or just organizing some type of event that involves dairy goats on a local level. To, to me, that's where, you know, being on a committee is great. Um, but you sometimes, this is my opinion, is you get bogged down in the monotony of a committee there. Um, but really, you know, taking some initiative on your own um, at a local level can be a great way to um, not only get your name out there, but really better the goat community as a whole. Yeah. And I, every district can use more shows and more volunteers that way, too. So, you know, reach out to a 4 hr um, be a mentor for somebody. There are all kinds of things that you can do to promote dairy goats in your area. Yes, that 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 is a hundred percent correct. There, um, moving right along here, there was a postal ballot that went out, and it did extend the stamp duplicates all the way through the rest of the year. Is that correct, Laura? Right. So, hopefully, all of our listeners who are in our southern states who have lots of awesome fall shows to go to, uh, they'll be able to use those stamp duplicates to get those back. And um, on the topic of stamp duplicates, that seems to be working really well. Um, if you register a, a kid or register a mature animal or however, it doesn't take very, t- very long at all for you to get that stamp duplicate back when you use the online process. So um, as we've mentioned several times on this podcast, any chance that you have to register animals online, please do so because it is a lot quicker and you'll get things back quicker. But the stamp duplicate thing is working great. Yeah, I would say, well, with some constraints, I will say but that. Most of the time it's working Most great. of the time. So uh, a couple, like, a quick, like, if if this happens type thing here. So say, for example, um, my dad has a linked account. Ed Jedlowski's account is also linked with my brother's account, Evan Jedlowski's account. And if he were to register a goat around Evan Jedlowski, um, under Evan Jedlowski's name, that stamp duplicate isn't going to be sent to his email. It will not be sent to his email. So to do to pull that stamp duplicate, you have to go into the physical goats um, reports and pull that stamp duplicate. You only have thirty days to do that, which is written correctly given normal times in ADGA, because generally a stamp duplicate is only valid for thirty days. Um, 
However, um, given these, quote, unprecedented times, unquote, um, you only have 30 days. So best practices, if you don't get that email, I would always suggest you go ahead and you pull that manually there. Yeah, and even if you think, I don't need a stamped duplicate, I'm going to get these papers here any day, I would say go ahead and print it off just to have for insurance because things happen. I mean, you hate to think that, but let's just... Let's be real. Things could happen. It's always good to have that in hand if you need it. And I registered some goats, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. We got the papers back, actually, um, rather quickly, I will say. And then um, we also had the stamp duplicates as well. So um, I will say that turnaround time seems pretty, pretty good um, for those as well. But there, would, I have seen, according to the magical Facebook land, um, some some not so good things also in the turnaround time. Right. Um. You know, another thing that's kind of big news, um, we are going to be losing our executive director. He has resigned and um, has stayed on at the office for a little while and will be leaving, I think, around the 4th, I think, of September, first part of September anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, the very best wishes to Lance as he finds, as he moves on to a new endeavor and, um, I hope his transition to his new position is a lot easier than what the time that he's had here with ADGA. It's, it's just been really hard and I, I feel bad for that. So I hope that goes well. Absolutely. We, I, I wish him the best of luck um, working with him was um, quite uh, interesting, but I, I never really, he, he really seemed to me had, you know, really good intentions of what he wanted to do. Unfortunately, um, given external factors, um, some of those things did not come into play. So, yes, right. I, you know, it. I, I'm sure it's very disheartening when you come into a position and you have big dreams and big visions of how things are going to go and what you're going to be able to do and, um, you know, improve customer service and the call center and all those things. And it's got to be really hard to feel like you're beaten up against a brick wall all the time. And, and I would guess that he's probably felt that way. So, uh, you know, yeah. the very best wishes to Lance as he moves on to his next endeavor. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens as far as um, a governing model for ADGA. Um, it's no secret that we really didn't have a, a structure in our constitution and bylaws that supported the executive director position. Um which I always thought was kind of interesting, more like a cart before the horse kind of a thing. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see if we get that updated or what kind of a model um, our um, board of directors is going to come up with for bringing ADGA forward and hopefully out of um, the challenges that we've seen lately. So, And we we have to remember as well that there are different uh, loading structures with constitutional amendments uh, as well there, because I do believe in order to get um, the executive director put into the guidebook, it would actually a, mem- a vote before the membership would be needed. Is that correct, Laura? I think I, I believe so. And, and I don't know all of the particulars, but what I've read, yes. And so that's something that I'm um, certainly brushing up on and working on more before our annual meeting, because that's important to know that before we get there. So um, and that's you know, that's coming. That's that is a lot sooner than we think. Yeah. So if you have plane tickets, go ahead and get them now. It's not going to get any cheaper. If you need a hotel room, um, 
I, I did see today on Facebook, so we're recording this on Wednesday evening. I did see that there was a question about an incorrect phone number on Adga's webpage about the convention hotel. So just make sure you double check that before you try to make uh, reservations at the wrong hotel or the wrong number. Make sure that we have that. Yeah. Correct. So. Laura, have you gotten your, uh, your stuff all figured out for your, um, I haven't, but going, right? doing that this evening. So I I've looked at it and, uh, just kind of needed to see what the daughter's plans were. So, um, Anyway, our board of directors meetings, we already know is going to be a day longer. And there's some talk on whether or not we need maybe even an additional day beyond that. So um, it'll be it'll be quite the week, I think. So if you have the time and the desire, uh, go to the biggest goat party that there is in the United States um, after the national show. That would be the convention. A great time to learn and meet people and uh, just really bask in the fellowship of other dairy goat breeders. So I'd really encourage and you to look at going to Syracuse. And the best part is, is you don't have to do goat chores while you're there. No, not at all. No, <laughs> and you're not sleeping, not sleeping in a barn. It's not hot. I've heard Syracuse is beautiful in the fall. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. There. So, again, so, so Cameron, uh, you, you guys have finished your show season. Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, it was it was a long one. Let's just say that. Well, I guess it was shorter than previous years here. But um, moving right along here, kind of talking about our main topic. We're gonna this this week here. Um, instead of having uh, a one main topic, we're gonna have a, a series of rapid fires. I think um, here just to um, kind of break the ice because it's been a while since Laura and I have talked to y'all there. But um, back to your question, Laura. I didn't forget. Yeah, I am done with the show season. My dad is done with the show season. Um, and Laura, you finished up your show season too, correct? We did. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, one of my daughters said, um, mom, are you, I, I'm kind of sad. This is the last show. And I'm like, you know, this year I really am not, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm ready for it. Um, it's, you know, been a lot of traveling. It's been kind of hot. I'm, I'm just kind of ready ready, ready to be at that point. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, Laura, but I've went to drying up my goats already. So I, I mean, it was a, it was a Wisconsin state fair. And then the next day it was a, I'm y'all are milking 24 hours type thing. Like you all get milked for 24 hours type thing. We're doing the same thing. When we came home from the Missouri state fair, uh, we're just milking in the morning now. So um, that's, you know, I, I always kind of get bittersweet with that too. Cause I milking is my, I like that time of the morning, but well, that's why I'm doing it in the morning, not at night. <laughs> well, and that's an interesting question. Do you do you find it harder when you're drying up your goats to find the motivation to wake up in the morning or wake up in or, or I guess stay later in the barn at night? Um, I'm 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 a an avowed morning person, so. I will always get up in the morning and chore. That is my favorite time of day to chore. I love being outside in the morning, even when it's still dark outside. I love, love going out there. That is my, that is my favorite time. Now I, my daughters, they would rather go out in the evening. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's kind of a nice trade off. Um, you know, especially when daughters are home. So, uh, yeah. So it's for me in the morning. What about you? So we're currently milking once a day at, at night, um, uh-huh. and I 
I don't know if I if I like that or not because the milking. So we're only milking two at a time right now, and and which you're used to that. But how many are you milking right now? Laura, remind me. Thirteen. Okay, so we're milking the same amount. And how long does it take you to milk? Uh, about I I figured about an hour. It I mean I, okay. it's not that they milk that much and it takes that long. I let them I let them eat on the stand and okay, and that's, kind that's of fiddle around takes, stuff. That's how long it takes me. Do you find yourself doing other stuff while milking? Uh, like answering emails and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do that. I, I sometimes I do that. But uh, or filling, well, filling water buckets or feeding grain yeah. to kids or things like that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I now I don't feel so bad because it's like I'm like should I be paying attention to them while I'm milking or and I feel like this is like a like a wow I sound like an idiot right here like I've never milked goats before. <laughs> it's but you know what, Cameron? I think I so going off on a little bit of a rabbit hole here. This is probably the first time in your life you've got to set up things from ground zero, right? Yeah, you're you're exactly right there, and it's kind of you know you get to do it your way, and by your way, I mean the way that you and and the partner and my partner Catherine have decided to do it. So, but we're also limited in in a couple things here. Is one we're limited in the funds department right now, trying to uh, you know get hay, which which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Um, you know, getting everything set up for the barn in that much here, as well as try to put some back for for the wedding that's coming up as well. Well, that's kind of an important thing. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is there. Um, oftentimes overlooked, um, especially in the last couple of weeks. Uh, with well, sure. Right. Um, so, so you went to the Indiana State Fair and I think we did. T- did we talk about that in our last podcast? Well, a little, I think a little bit. So Edward, my, my dad went to the Indiana State Fair. I went to a wedding um, and he took my Alpines there. None of the dogs went or anything there. Um, and then. Um, by that time, all of the kind of a timeline here, just to go back here, we brought the animals up at the end of July on like a Wednesday and, and brought all of Catherine's family's goats up in order to prep them for the Wisconsin State Fair. So we were milking 12 by then, twice a day, getting everybody, you know, just prep for the goat show there. Uh, my dad went to the Indiana State Fair that weekend. I went to a wedding. I had no. No, 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 no. I brought them home the weekend after the Indiana State Fair. Milk 12. And then I went to another wet. I went to another wedding after the Indiana State Fair, prepped them all for the Wisconsin State Fair. So clipped about between Catherine and I, 26 goats in a matter of about three-ish, three, four days-ish. And then left on, packed up everything on Thursday of that week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wisconsin State Fair. And then we kind of hit once a day. I was milking five twice a day for a goat show we were going to the next week. So after that, then um, milked everybody, did more electrical work in the barn on Saturday. Sunday was the goat show. I drove two and a half hours down and then I dropped the rest. I picked up my Alpines that I was getting from my dad on that Sunday, and then I drove over to Catherine's parents' house. I picked up the bucks and dropped off the goats that um, belonged to her parents and her sister. And then I came back up here, and then uh, we're back at this week where we're milking once a day. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So, so but you were happy. You were happy with how your show season ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, it, it was really good. So my dad had best in show with the Indiana State Fair, and then when the same doe went best in show. 
at the Wisconsin State Fair, and then the same deal went best in show at our last show of the year, which was Fairberry, um, which I, I think that show almost has a little bit similar vibes to the Missouri State Fair for you, where it just feels very homey. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, everyone's there. They're kind of hanging out. It's a low-key show. You know, people are talking. They're sitting in chairs during the show. They're watching the show a bit there. So it's it's kind of a kind of was a nice way to wrap up the season. I think that's one reason why I love the state fair. And that's almost always our last show of the year, except for maybe a buck show if we go to that. But I'm not showing bucks this year. But anyway, <laughs> um, because it is just a one ring show. It harkens back to those simpler times when most shows were just one ring shows at a time. And, and you can sit and watch your friend's show and cheer them on. And that's, that's just fun. It's fun to do it that way. Well, I always tell people that, you know, I, I, uh, this, this show is low key and I like it because, you know, breakfast at the Methodist church, I think it's the Methodist church, don't uh, food stand. You know what I'm saying there at the fair. Uh And then we order pizza for lunch from a really good pizza place. Um, So it's, it's kind of a whole, a whole thing for lack of better terms. And those shows, it, it's just a great way to build camaraderie with your fellow exhibitors. It is. And I think, I think, didn't you tell me that the dairy goats far outnumber everything else that's shown at that fair? Yeah, it is. We have a series in Illinois, we have a series of payback shows, um, which not a lot of areas have. And we're very thankful for those, but generally the dairy goats um, will, will have more um, numbers than anyone there. So at this last little show, there was 230 dairy goats, which for, you know, a one ring, payback show on a Sunday where you pull in, pull out. It's really, really good. And then there was another show where there was about 190. There was one that was about 170. So it's, it's not like there's not a strong contention compared to other animals in at the fair. I think that's just neat. Very neat. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is there. So um, that we, you know, we had a busy last couple of weeks, but I'm very thankful it is over now. Yeah, it's, it, it makes it more sweet rather than bitter to see the end of the show season. And, and along with that, you know, even when it's hot, which I will say the Missouri State Fair this year, I can't believe it. While the goats were there, there was just a little teeny tiny rain shower. There was no straight line winds, tornadoes. Uh, flooding of the barn or anything and the weather was perfect like low 80s nice breeze it was it was you could not have picked a more perfect weather for the missouri state fair but it also had that little feeling of fall in the air which always kind of gets me excited Ooh, it's breeding season it's time to start working on this and and uh even when i had that period of my life when i didn't have goats in the back of my mind, fall has always had that breeding season excitement in there. I've just always thought this is the time of year I should be, you know, planning that next, that next big breeding. So. Well, before we talk about breeding seasons, I want to go, I want to go there next. Let's, I want to reflect back kind of our state fairs periods there. How, Laura, how did the Missouri state fair go for you? Um, so unlike you, I, we didn't bring home any best in shows. Um, actually the only rosette that we brought home, we brought, we brought home one for a Sonnen 
Unfortunately, signings weren't official. And uh, we brought home a junior champion on um, probably my favorite doe kid this year that has been reserved multiple times and she finally got her leg. So that was fun because she's my goat. So <laughs> um, <clears throat> having said that, though, you know, my, my husband had asked me if I was disappointed and I said, no, I said, because, you know, um, something that I, I know that breeders who've done this longer and have sold a lot more animals than I have, probably it's old hat to you, but it was really cool for me when I sat out there and looked at the, ch the champion lineup. So we had all of our first places and all of our second places out there. So there were 10 animals in the ring and six of those 10 animals had my herd name on it. But only one of those um, 10 animals actually was owned by me. All of the other animals were animals that I'd sold to other people in Missouri and they brought them back to the state fair. And that just, it just really made me, it made me happy to see other people doing well with genetics that I had. And, and I didn't, I've just not experienced that before because as I said, we haven't sold that many animals and it was, that was just fun. I don't know if I'm making any sense and trying to relay what I felt, but no, it no, was exciting. No. It was exciting to see that. Laura, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I think the biggest thing is that you, when, isn't that the goal? You know what I'm saying there? And it's like, Oh man, I got beat by X, Y, Z, but, who cares? It's out of my Buckeye brand or, or, you know what I'm saying? Or, or it's out of a, or I got beat by a doe I sold. So it's, it's like, I, to me, it's, it's not even a wash. It's like, okay, I got beat by an animal. I bred and that animal is now up to its genetic potential because let's be honest, Laura, how many goats do we sell you or me or, or Catherine or, or any big name breeder there that don't live up to their genetic potential? Right. And when you know that you can't keep every animal that you, that you breed and you want to, but you know, especially for me, I have to keep my herd small. I don't have room for them. I don't have the sanity for them. I don't have the pocketbook to keep them all. Wow. How awesome is it to see these animals that I've sold to, to 4-Hers, to herds just starting out or to good friends of mine that are really being successful for them in the ring. And that just, I just really made my heart warm. I, that just was the best thing to me about the state fair. And, um, you know, seeing a, a young 4-H'er, well, a couple of young 4-H'ers that I had sold does to just really shine with them, doing well with them in showmanship, winning classes with them, being proud to take them out there. It just, that just really felt good. So it, that was, that was a great way to end the show season this year. Well, good. Can I, can I ask you, I want to go, I want to go back on this idea of selling goats and I want you to go back to when you were a judge back, you know, 10 years ago when you were yeah. 32. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Cameron, let's, I, I'm just all for full disclosure here. <laughs> I haven't been a judge. Uh, 28 years ago is when my license, my license lapsed. So it's that well, long. I just, I want to, I want to explore this idea. Have you, did you, when you judged and you maybe saw a goat paper after it won and you saw it was from XYZ herd and you thought, oh, okay. Interesting. Have you, did you ever experience that? Oh yeah. 
Very much so. Yes. Yes. And and sometimes you knew even before you put that animal up, oh, this animal looks like a such and such. And then when you saw its papers, you're like, oh, yeah, that validated that. Or, um, oh, it's sired out of that line. That's why it, it looks like that. I mean, and that's, I, I think that's a good thing. Again, that's a testament to the breeders, to the bloodlines behind it. If you have a style of animal or a certain look to it, to it I think that's an important thing. Well, I was going to take that the other way, actually. Oh, where okay. It's like, where it's like... <laughs> Maybe, you know, and, and I'm just throwing this out as an example. There's like two in the breed and maybe they're not of as quality. And then you look at the paper and you're like, oh, oh, like, like you like, mean like the TikTok, not funny, haha, but funny, weird type thing. Okay. Or when you, what you originally said was that's interesting. You meant that, like, I used to use the term, wow, that's interesting, when my daughters would wear something questionable, and and I was trying not to be, oh my gosh, that's horrible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yes, and I do remember that from judging, and, and you were kind of like, oh gosh, that breeder probably wouldn't be very happy to know that this person is showing this animal from their herd. Yeah, yeah, this is not a good representation of the quality that I know that breeder is capable of. Yes, yes, that's what I was getting at. And so I I wanted to make sure I wasn't going crazy there. But um, moving, I want to move right along here because we're we're rambling, which is good. Uh, We're we're talking. Uh, But breeding season here. So you talked about it, and it's one of your favorite times of the year. We did something yesterday that was interesting, and I had never really – thought about it before mostly because it needed to be done is we trimmed the bucks hooves as I call them hooves hooves um there um do you when do you do your buck hoove trims I try to do them about this time of year okay and do you do like a mid-season trim hoove hoove I can't even say this trim face do you do a mid-season trimming of the hooves or do you worry that will impede their motion, for lack of a better terms? Uh, um, so what I would like to be able to answer is that my bucks get their feet done as often as my does do. Okay. That's what I would like to be able to answer. Okay. The reality, the reality is they probably get their feet done three times a year. Definitely get it done before breeding season because, you know, around the first end of July, 1st of August, I always pull the bucks out, um, you know, look at their feet, make sure that they're in good shape. Um, I make sure that, you know, I like pull their eyelids down, make sure that they don't look like they're anemic or that they need to be wormed or anything like that. Because of course you don't want to worm them too close to breeding season. I don't think, but well, I don't, well, I don't think so. I don't know. I guess, and, and maybe I'm just dumb, but I guess I thought it was probably never a good idea to do a lot of medication before you really expect them to perform well. Interesting. Cause we just, I just wormed, we just wormed our entire herd actually, you know, last week, last weekend when they got here, um, just one, so we could have a consistent worm date and, and two, um, just, you know, peace of mind, I guess, as they come from a different herd or maybe different parasite, you know what I'm saying there? Sure. Yes. And and so. maybe, maybe that's fine. And maybe I'm just, you know, full of garbage and it doesn't make any difference, oh. but we, tr- 
we try to do it, you know, early when we get their feet done. Cause I don't, I don't want to trim their feet and run the risk of, you know, laming them if I nick them too much and then they don't want to breed. Mm-hmm. Cause I want them to be ready when I'm ready for them to be ready. You know, yeah. um, I don't usually do it mid season. Cause frankly, they're usually disgustingly gross and, um, hard to mess with because they think anything that bends over around them is, is game for them. And, and that, yeah. includes me and they don't want to do that. So, um, anyway, I, I don't usually probably that would not be a bad thing to do is to check a mid season, but I don't. Okay. Well, I, I've never what checked. Do you them, do? I'll be honest with you. I've, I've, I've never, we've never checked the mid season. Honestly, the bucks might get looked at like, like January or February, maybe. Uh-huh. Right. Or they'll get pulled out in like April on a day when it's not muddy because, you know, there's, there's, there's winter and there's mud um, in the Midwest. Those are the two seasons. Uh And, and, or you're looking at them and you're like, Oh buddy, you need a hoof trim. And you feel like sympathetic that day. Does that make sense? Very much so. Yes. (laughs) And you're like, okay, I will, I will bite the bullet and I will do your hooves today. So that is something. Excuse me. That is something I feel like that over the years I've really tried to pay attention to is good, strong feet on my bucks because I don't like to trim them. So, you know, if they're good feet to begin with, they grow pretty well and you don't have to worry about them being really awful. So um, anyway, those poor boys, they're, they're, I don't want to say that they're neglected because it's important not to neglect your bucks, but they sure don't get the same attention that the does do. That's very true. I'm looking at, I look at the bucks every day now because I see them on the way to the dope pen and I see the one that hasn't been clipped in like two, two and a half years, three years. And he's got like these like little, little feathers as I call them that come off the legs and they like kick. It's like a Steven Tyler, like hair extension type thing. So oh, cool. So I'm just like, oh, buddy, you need to, you need those trimmed up or something. They're going to annoy the crap out of me all year. Okay, so I'm going to. So you don't show your bucks. No, no. And I say I, I say I don't show my bucks. I usually do. I I I get guilted into taking a buck. But anyway, having said that, do you take their beards off? Absolutely not. That demasculates them. Like you think it would like cause a problem for them to do that? I don't. I don't think it would. But it's the same reason why I don't leave beards on does. You know what I'm saying? Like I want that that I want that feminine looking does, and plus I get sick and freaking tired of seeing them when I milk them twice a day. You know what I'm saying? Like I it just drives me nuts. So I do it. Uh take the take it off. But for the bucks, for me it's a symbol of like masculism, I guess. And maybe that's why I grew a beard. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I'm glad to hear you say that about the does because I I do not like beards on does. I mean, it like it is a pet peeve of mine. So any chance I get, I take it off. And my girls are like, "She worked hard to grow that beard. Let her be a goat," you know. And and I just don't like them, especially when they're like three big strands of hair and that's it i'm like really you can't grow a beard you know yeah so but bucks i my bucks i'll have beards too but i have i i was noticing the other day they really make your water buckets disgusting i yeah i would agree i would agree with that they do 
but I will tell you that they do come in handy when they don't like my like like at at, at the South Farm, Kickapoo Valley South Farm, the original location. Um, the they don't have we don't wear put collars on bucks. It's just right, in the we don't either. So we grab them by the beard. Well, and and we do too, and that gets their attention very quickly. Okay. I was just thinking the other day, man, I could have a lot cleaner water buckets if I took this huge, long, two-foot beard off this buck. So anyway, if any of our listeners take beards off of their bucks, let us know how that works for you. I'm just kind of yeah. curious. So. Yeah, or like send us some pictures of some beard styled maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, I could braid it and put it up in a little something but i'm not going to so yeah um but uh you know talking a little bit about bucks here uh, i've got some goats that are coming into heat laura what about you oh yes and actually i had some goats in heat in at the end of july too and in fact um probably was a little tardy in taking a buck kid out of my doze so i need to take care of that this week i mean he's he's not with them now but I think they all need a dose of loot because I don't want any, Ooh. you know, Ooh. kids. I, I don't think he got anybody, but I also can't guarantee that. So yeah. uh, that makes me a little on the nervous side. Well, I, you know, everybody makes mistakes, right? <laughs> you know, it's, that's why God invented loot is what I say. Right. And I hate to use it because I don't, I, I don't like doing that, but I also hate the idea of a nine month old kid kidding so mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've been there done that seen it before right. it's not pretty it's not it's not what anybody me. wants to do no it's something i would never recommend there but um how do you stop the it do you get an itch when you see a goat in heat you're like yeah let's let's breed everybody get the buck out let's go let's start this party here i don't okay I mean, I like, I love breeding season. I like making decisions and so forth, but I really, for my own sanity and for the way things are set up here, it really is difficult for me to handle kids before March. So even though I see them come in heat and I'm like, gosh, I could just put them together and it's just one goat. What's the big deal? I realized that for me, it would be a big deal five months later. So um, I just, I, I resist the urge. So I'm not saying it's not there. I just resist it. What about you? Have you already gotten goats bred this year? No, absolutely not. So we have a, a little thing called a honeymoon planned in January. Um, oh, good incentive and, not to breed. Yes, absolutely there. So um, we did not want the chore help, whoever is our chore help, to have to deal with that. So um, we, we've seen goats cycle. And we have decided to let them do that there and just do their own thing. Um, and um, we, I think we will start breeding. I would like to start breeding like for like Valentine's Day babies. Like to me, that is the perfect time. Good. And, and I do like February kids. I think that Valentine's Day is, is usually a good time, but just – it's just going to be a whole new world this next year. So I just need to stick with my guns and, and do, do those October breedings. So, well, let's, that's a perfect transition there, Laura, a whole new world. Let's talk about that a little bit. What's going on there. 
Well, uh, it hasn't been quite as much of a change as we thought. Caroline's going to kick me if she listens to this podcast episode, but uh, God bless her. She went off to college on um, uh, last week, last Wednesday, she went and she had class for two days and then missed, missed Friday for the state fair. And uh, Sunday, I noticed that her voice was kind of raspy, just just a little rough. But, you know, we'd slept in a barn for three nights and it was cool. And you know, there's dust and allergies and stuff like that. And I didn't think too much about it. And so Sunday night, she made it back to college and uh, woke up Monday morning sounding much worse and said that she had a sore throat. And so uh, she called the student clinic there and they told her to come in and she thought she needed to get tested for strep throat. They tested her for strep and COVID. And guess what? She got the vid. She had the vid. So she's back home. So I, have, I still have my chore help at home. And, um, and Elizabeth decided to make a career change. So she's between jobs right now and she is home too. So I'm living the life of leisure milking once a day and still have lots of chore help. So, uh, that's, that's, it's not gone difficult yet. So I think, (laughs) I really think the big test is going to be next spring when everybody is off at school and with jobs and it truly is just me by myself again. So. Gotcha. Well, uh, yeah. so do you, do you have a different plan for that or a different, are you going to take a different strategy? Are you going to space out the kiddings a little bit? Are you going to tighten them all up or what do you have? A, have you thought this through yet or? Right. So really what my plan is, I need to see when Caroline's spring break is. And what I would like to do is plan the kiddings to pretty much be accomplished over a two week period, if possible or the majority of them and I can take a week off work and then Caroline can take a week off work or off. Then she'll be off on spring break. So that way we've got two weeks to get babies on the land bar and, and get everybody kitted and get milking started and all of that, that really high intensity time when kids have to be fed a whole bunch and you're still struggling to get them to eat. So, um, that's the plan right now. We'll see how that actually works out because, you know, we all know that goats don't necessarily follow what your plan is. <laughs> well, I call that phase in kids' life the the I want to die phase. Yeah, right. I know. I know. <laughs> so have you and Catherine planned out how you're going to handle all of that? No, we haven't. Um, it's an excellent question, though. Um it's, it's kind of different because we'll have to consider, you know, the calving season as well with that, um, plus my work schedule. But I think if we shoot around the 15th-ish, and then I can I can be flexible-ish with planning my own travel, uh, which is nice. And I generally don't travel that first two weeks in March anyway and, and such there. So that, you know, that helps and then getting everything up off the ground that we would need to. Um, we would like to get with goats, you know, flagging right now and looking at 21 days, that's, you know, I think it's September 15th, 16th on that. So um, we're letting all of our goats that we are going to AI cycle once, and then we're going to go ahead and get them in. Cause this first heat, at least through our experiences has always not been as strong of a heat as um, others. And we didn't want to use any um, drugs or any, you know, any type of protocol to bring them in. So, 
We want to do everything on natural. I think that makes me. I think that makes sense. And I would rather AI off of a natural heat too. That's my preference also. So I think we've got Uh, seven or eight AIs planned. And then we've got um, a buck that's here only for a certain amount of time as well. So we've got to kind of plan around that a little bit. And then he's going off and another buck's coming in. So it's kind of playing the, you know, we need to get him while he's here type thing, but we also need AI these goats. So we might be front loading in like February. Um, but I, you know, I've analyzed the statistics and ran the numbers. And in my opinion, February kids generally stay more than March kids and especially more than April kids, unless they're kept. Oh, that is so, that is so interesting. And, and hold that thought because I have that later on that I want to talk about too. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I will say this, having the convention the first week of October, that is a bummer for me because that's what I really like to breed is that first week of October and I'm not going to be here to do it. So that's, that's um, a little bit difficult. That puts me a little later in March than what I want to be, but I guess we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, I, I think that's, Yes, but it sounds like as well, Laura, you are looking at some more even fall cuts, and you even made a really hard cut recently, didn't you? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> no, 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 I do. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You know, um, I think for me, one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is I learn something from every guest that we've had. And, you know, I know that one of the guests that we bring up a lot is Kurt Schnipke and his um, sell until you cry. And so that's one of them. But um, when we had Paul Fox on as one of our earliest guests that we had, he talked about that when he gets does finished, many times he, he goes ahead and moves them to a new home so that he's got room to finish other does in his herd. And uh, we have a, a special doe that that I've kind of taken under my wing from the time that she was a very awkward and ugly milking yearling. And I just knew she had it in her to be something amazing. And uh, we got her finished this year. She appraised 90 this year. Um, and she's going, she's going to be sold. She's uh, going to a very special uh, 4-H'ers herd as a foundation dough for her. And, and that was very hard and that's a hard cut to make, but it's also, I think it's a good cut. Does that, if that makes any sense? Well, and it's interesting you brought up that Paul Fox stuff and I, I kind of want to move forward with that. My thought on that, you know, I interpret that quote a little bit differently, differently than you is that, you know, we've got some animals here and I, I talk about this frequently here and I talk about a hard cut with Catherine was there was an animal that Catherine bought from the West Coast. She bought the goat. It, she did very well as a dry yearling. She did. She was competitive as a two-year-old. Or a two-year-old year. She's super competitive as a two-year-old, but that was the COVID year. She freshened as a three-year-old, and she just – everything became stressful to her. And she broke out in hives every single time. Like, she was stressed. So, like oh. – she couldn't leave the barn. She couldn't like kid. You couldn't like change feeds on her. You couldn't change haze on her. 
all types of things. And I looked at her, Catherine, this year, and I said, Catherine, you know, we want to show her, you know, like we, we, we love to show goats. This animal isn't a show goat because she gets so high stressed out. And so we ended up getting rid of her because of that. Yeah. Sometimes you have to make those cuts and those, those are hard to make, especially when you, when you see this animal and you see that potential and you know, you know, it's there. And, and like this doe who's leaving, I, she's a, she's a beautiful doe. And I, she has great genetics behind her and I think she could do great. I mean, what 4-H'er wouldn't want to start with a finished champion that appraised excellent as a five-year-old. Absolutely. You know, so, so she can be a, that, and that's the thing that, that, my girls and I talked about an animal who is just another five-year-old in our herd could shine and be a superstar for somebody else. And, and I think sometimes you have to consider maybe that's a better thing for that animal. Or if you know that animal is going to be miserable doing what you ask it to do, just like the doe that you mentioned, then let it go someplace where it can be a really beloved uh, farm member and not have to leave. I would like to jump back to something that you had said about you've run the calculations. Okay. And you find that you tend to lead to keep a higher percentage of your February kids. And then maybe a little fewer of the March kids, but definitely more than what you do of your April kids. And I find that true in my herd as well. Yeah. I think, you know, we talk about this, getting started early in life type thing, you know, setting an animal up for success, if that makes sense. And it's kind of a balancing act in my mind is, do you want to set the kid up for success or do you want to set the mom up for success? If that makes sense. Because yes. if you want to set the mom up, you know, you got to factor, when do you want this goat to bloom for lack of a better term? So when do you kind of want her to hit her stride? And if you're doing that, you don't want her to, if you want, you know, a July nationals, you don't want to have her kid June, January one to really, you know, set up her stride. If we look at it, kind of a standard lactation curve there. Um, but at the same time, we also want the kid to thrive there. And what we found is, you know, generally kids that are older do tend to be better milkers. Unless they were kept dry. Unless they were, that is the caveat. You mean kept as a dry yearling? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why generally when people look at our look at our stuff, um, it, it it you'll see a lot of our April kids dry there. There are some kids, and this year is an exception. We did keep one. We did keep a doe who was an April kid. We've got four yearly alpine yearling milkers right now. Two two April kid or two uh, two February kids, a March kid. And a in an April kid, so we've got four of them, and then we've got a March kid that is a dry yearling, a January kid that was a dry yearling. It's living at my house, and she's interesting and quite the story. And the third one was born in May. So um, I will tell you that statistically proven, the May animal will probably be the least likely in order to stay in the herd of any of those seven. Yeah, I would say that that is true in my farm as well. Um, I know that for me, especially, and, and kind of jumping when I said I wanted to talk about selling fall kids, um, these are kids that I have had every intention of keeping. 
And then when fall comes and I start looking at my hay budget and my workload and what I've got in the barn, and then I start thinking, you know, really, do I need to keep eight kids into next year? No, probably not. It's usually those younger kids that I'm, that I'm moving down the road. And, and honestly, the ones at the state fair that were uh, standing in front of me this year, those were some of those fall kids that I let go two years ago. So, you know, it's kind of, I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, huh. Should have kept that one. That's okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I struggle with selling fall kids because I, my biggest thought is I want the kids gone out of my barn as soon as possible. Does that make sense? Like I am very much, here's the number we decided on. We set it like, don't, don't let them grow out, like evaluate them early for lack of better terms. But my problem is, is if I don't like them, like come March 1st. So maybe it's like a, it's a dry year. It's a dough that we didn't get bred or was a dry year or was intended to be a dry year. I don't like them by March 1st. I want to sell them then of the next year. And I know I put, you know, a bunch of resources into them, but Sometimes my sanity of looking at them at the barn is is more important than the resources I spent on them. I understand that totally. And I need to be better at that. That's a goal that I have for next year. Um, we tried a different way of selling kids this year, and I don't feel like it was very successful. And since it's going to be me doing it, I can make the executive's decision to do it differently. <laughs> well, can, so, you, can you share that or, or will the daughters be? Um, share what we did? Yeah. Well, we, so two years ago, we took reservations on kids okay. on, on like doe kids. And what ended up happening is we, because we took reservations on them, we sold a bunch of doe kids that we really kind of didn't want to sell, mm -hmm. like probably sold what our best doe kids were, which again is a, it, that's a great thing, but it's not a great thing at, when you're trying to grow your herd, you know? Mm -hmm. So this year we decided that we weren't going to take any reservations on doe kids and that we were going to wait until all the kids were on the ground and then make a decision on keeping X number of kids and then sell the rest, offer the rest. And, and if we had stuck with that number, that arbitrary number, that would have been a good thing, but we kind of didn't. So we have some kids that we kind of decided that we were going to sell and didn't and so now here we are almost september uh we lost the dam to these twin kids and we're like well now we're not going to be able to get any more kids out of her and she was a doe that we really liked and and well maybe these kids aren't maybe these kids are better than what we thought they were you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. you find excuses not to go ahead and stick with what you're going to do so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of where i am and I, and i really feel like that um Next year, we're going to make a decision much quicker on who we're keeping or who we're not keeping. And we're going to move accordingly because it, it is a lot of work to raise kids. Oh, my God. It's so much work. It's so much yeah. freaking work. And it's yeah. and it's not even like the – it's just so much freaking work. And just thinking about it right now makes me exhausted. <laughs> well, hey, thinking thinking of your kid raising next year, Cameron, does yeah. Catherine also pan raise her kids? Oh yeah. Uh, she's actually more aggressive than I am about it. Um, and she won't even put them on a bottle to start with colostrum. She'll just feed them right from a pan in the colostrum. Well, that's a, that's a nice discussion you won't have to have then. 
Absolutely. You know, we, we had to have a discussion about what type of pans though. So oh. I won, I won because I went and spent, you know, $300 on pans, which I probably shouldn't have, but I wanted the damn pants. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll be, it'll be fun to see how you guys get this all worked out. Sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll air out our dirty laundry on, on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so. So you've been, you have been buying hay, like a lot of yes. hay. Yeah. So we've put about uh, close to 300 bales-ish in our barn um, because people have it sitting on rack wagons here and they want it unloaded so they can go do another cutting. So, which is great. And it means that people want it gone and we can potentially get a cheaper price um, for it. But it just means we have to haul rack wagons and stack everything. And Yay. Yeah, that's a lot of work, especially when it's hot. Yes, it is. I will say that my neighbor came over the other day, um, and I was like, I think I had like maybe a third of the rack wagon done. And then I see the neighbor over, he's wearing jeans, like a cut t-shirt, and he's got a, a brisk iced tea water bottle, like not full of brisk tea, but like a big old one liter water bottle. I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing, man? Type thing, and he's like, "I can't. I, I figured I need some exercise today, and my uh, Advil just kicked in, so I'm good to go for a while." Oh wow, that's the kind of neighbor to have. That's awesome. I, I said, "I said, do you spend some summer stacking hay?" He said, "Just a few." So- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a good that is a good neighbor. Yeah, yeah, I was super happy about that. So. Um, we've got at least one more rack wagon. I'd like to get two more rack wagons into, um, my, my shed there. But what's really cool. I don't want to brag on my barn a little bit here. Um, is I have one, two, three, four, I have like five bays that I call them there. They're like, they're like, um, you know, like eight foot sections or something like that. And these bays here, I, I just go to which bay I want. And it's like a haste. It's like a grocery store for hay. Do I want grass? Do I want all grass? Do I want the second cutting? Do I want the third cutting? Do I want the third cutting grass? Grass grass alfalfa? Do I want the second cutting grass alfalfa? Do I want the third cutting just alfalfa? Something I've always dreamed about. Do you have do you have a bay of rocket fuel? Um, that's the third cutting alfalfa. I will tell you that the girls don't like the rocket fuel as much as they like the second cutting kind of 80% alfalfa, 20% grass. They, I, we started feeding that today. It's kind of like our dry off hay. And uh, I went out there at about uh, noon, noon today, and it was all on. Like it, they had eaten it all. So we are feeding some alfalfa hay that is, I, I'd say it's probably 70% alfalfa, 30% grass. They lick it up. Like if it were in a bowl, they would have that bowl licked clean. Well, I say they like it so much they want to use it as a bed. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, those goats are just—I mean—they are all over it, um, like like craziness there. And I'm like, okay, well, we 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 call it Louis hay because Louis is the guy we buy it from. So uh, we 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 told Louis we said the girls like the hay, and he's like, it's good hay. I know that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you? Funny? Are you finding hay easier to get in Wisconsin than than um, when you were in Illinois? Yes, I think the challenge will be though in in you think about the game of hay, you know, similar to the game of Thrones, just less killing. Um, but the game of hay will be where can we find hay when we run out? Does that make sense? 
Like, right. Yes. Yes. You know, we'll put 600 bales on our barn, but we also know that come February, March, let's just say March, for example, where, where can we find hay? Where can we find hay then? Right. So that will be, that will be the challenge that we have. And, you know, there are some people that don't put up hay in barns for lack of a better terms. There's some people that do. And I'm thankful that there's an old bunch of, as we're finding out, old dairy farmers that are retired from dairy farming um, that still make hay because they can't seem to quit, even though they're 80 years old. <laughs> so um, everybody's got a barn with a little bit of hay, it seems like. Hey, I'm going to brag on my hay guy. Okay. So we we picked up a load of hay a couple of weeks ago. We're about due to go get some more hay. But anyway, I was just getting ready to leave after loading hay in my truck. And he calls. He said, hey, Laura, do you guys like blackberries? And I'm like, yeah. He said, well, stop by. I've got some for you. He gave me five quart bags of the most luscious blackberries in the uh, world. And I'm he, like, oh, my gosh, this is a hay guy. <laughs> My my guy my guy Louie, I'm gonna brag on Louie here. Nobody can find him if you're in southern Wisconsin. Um, but he he also owns a sweet corn patch. And so I was like, Can I get some sweet corn? I'll pay, I'll just add it to the check, whatever. He's like, No, 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 no big deal. And then he goes in his little kabota and he's like, Come with me, follow me. Well, he goes out to the field and picks it fresh. And I was like, You didn't have to do that. Oh man. Yeah, I, I don't mean to one up you. I don't want to one up you there, but I was like, I got it. It's simple stories like that that make it just seem a little bit more personal. Well, and you know, it also makes you love the country life, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's so nice. I bought I brought those blackberries home and made a just a simple little cobbler. You would have thought that I was the best wife in the world for about twenty minutes because it was really good. <laughs> So, so kind of looking at wrapping things up, but wrapping things up on a couple of levels. One is, have you done, have you done your end of season um, gathering up all of your show whites and get them washed and de-stained and ready to put away for the winter and uh, got your liquid things out of your tack box yet? So they won't explode over the winter time and freeze. Um, Yes to the first one. We did that. I put it pro tip here. I I put dryer sheets in my whites. So when they come out in the fall or in the spring and I'm looking for them, they'll smell like linen-y fresh. Um, Instead of that funny storage smell that clothes get. Yeah. 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 My, my grandmother always did that. And I was like, I need to do that just because one, nostalgia. And two, it, it just makes it smell a little better. Um, so so I'll I share another... My- I'll share another pro tip. If you're like me and you like to really work hard to get just some of the stains that maybe you just kind of glided over during the year, you know, the cuffs of your pants or things like that, get a sink full of the very hottest water that you can, that you can get and buy OxyClean and soak your show whites in OxyClean. And that really does a good job of getting them bright and white for next year. And then put them away with the dryer sheets. Do you do that um, just where the rat, just where like the the stains on the bottom are, or I put the whole pair in there. Hmm. 
I'm gonna have to do that tomorrow because I've got yeah, I've got one with some little. Hmm. You can also buy a you can also buy a bleach pen and use mm. use on those spots and that works really well. Just be sure you're not wearing clothes that you care if they get bleached because it's pretty potent. So I've yeah, I've bleached so many clothes recently. It's not even funny. And I'm like, what what like like how did I forget I was using bleach? <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no. And then you know just really on that note, don't forget as you pack away your show stuff. You know, rodents get into things if, if you're packing in a garage. So, you know, take the time to to make sure that your totes are closed and not able to get, to be, you know, infested with things. Um, if you use sleeping bags at shows, this is a good time to wash them before you put them away at the end of the year. Um, if you have a, a milking machine that you only use for shows, do what maintenance you need to do on that. And if you need to put it in the basement or someplace where it's not going to freeze over the winter, it's a smart thing to do too. Um, get anything liquid that's in your tack box and take it inside because if it freezes and, and bursts the container and then you've got a terrible mess the next spring and um, digging show chains and other things out of liquids that have exploded, it's just not fun. Yeah, I one thing as well is uh, don't forget to do your clippers. Um, go through your clippers, clean them up a little bit as well. There, um, figure out which ones are bad as well, so you can throw said clippers away. And then gather those blades as well for um, blades you would want sharpened, um, because you can save a little. It's a little. It's not much, but it's a little cheaper. I mean, I think it's like four bucks a blade to to get it sharpened versus. Um, going and buying a $20 blade every time. So something to consider there. And you don't have to pay rapid shipping to get it back to you because you don't need them again. So, um, yes. you know, don't, don't put it off because if you're like me, you'll put it off and then it'll be next spring. You'll think, Oh, they're not that dull. I'll just go ahead and use them again. And they really are. So, yeah. So I, 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 um, or you're like me who, um, has a box of them sitting in his car for four week, five weeks, and then from some small random town in Wisconsin sends them out, and they're like, "What's well, in this thing here?" Yeah, it was just a whole USPS nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I know how that goes. Yeah, you just yeah, have so to, you know, don't don't put those things off because kidding season comes, and then show season's here, and you don't have time to get it done. So absolutely, that's, just, that's my public just, service for today. This is as we wind down here, and we we wind down the podcast here. Um, I feel like this time of the year, everything starts winding down. Summer's winding down. The kids are going back to school. The goat shows start to wane a little bit. Um, just just remember to enjoy the slowdown of it all. Because if you're like me or like Laura, um, you you've been busy the last couple of weeks, so. And take some time, take some time to enjoy your goat friends too. You know, maybe that means have a bonfire at your house and look, look over, look over the past show year or take some time to have dinner with a friend. Um, just enjoy, enjoy the slowdown as Cameron said. Yes. Hell, even a phone call. I know people don't like those these days, but. Uh. <laughs> 
And we enjoy the fact that you guys have spent some time with us today and hope you hope that uh, our, our rambling of things that are, that maybe are a little bit of a mishmash of this and that might give you some things to think about. And uh, Yeah, definitely some things to ruminate on, as we like to say here. Uh, but always, listeners, if you liked us, tell a friend. If not, give us some feedback. Again, Laura echoed it. I'm, I'm going to say it again here. Um, if you have anything that you want, from Goat Gab, topic suggestions. Uh, you have somebody who you think would be a great guest. You have um, just, you want to tell Cameron that he did a bad job today. That's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, just give us a feed. And we always appreciate candid feedback. Rate us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I found out that you, know, you can find us on Pandora. I didn't even know that existed still. Really? That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know Pandora had podcasts. Great. Good. Yeah. Fun facts for everybody there. We hope we run into you at convention if you're going to be there or, um, hey, at the Minnesota or not Minnesota, I'm sorry, Wisconsin Dairy Goat um, Conference. Yes, we will be at the uh, Southwest Technical College Program um, as one of the presenters there. So um, we will have more details on that to come in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for being part of our Goat Gab family. Have a wonderful week.